All right, well, welcome back, everyone. It is really, really good to see you. Uh, I hope that you were able to really take in your return to Mercersburg with a big, deep breath outside uh, where you could ingest a lot of the local pleasantries. Um, talking about poop. Uh, if you smell it out there, they've just spread it on the fields, getting ready for all the new uh, planting for the spring. Um, a couple years ago during a revisit day, I woke up and I was the head of admission and I walked outside and it was awful. And I thought, oh my God. But it did give me the chance to use the P word in a meeting in front of a bunch of families. So I felt pretty excited about that day. So as we, uh, last time we were all together, we were in the uh, gym uh, celebrating the end of the Irving Marshall week. And I know that was a spirited and competitive week and hopefully we can continue that tradition in the way that uh, we left it um, some three weeks ago. So much of it went so well and we'll be getting together and spending some time to debrief about uh, what we can do even better next year and in the years ahead. But I wanna again, thank the entire community for, for what I think was a really wonderful celebration of our most uh, storied tradition. So thank you all. And so much work goes into making it happen. And again, uh, thank you to the officers, the faculty advisors, and the entire community. And as Manny would say, a little ripple. I like try to keep such a stoic face up there. And you said that, and I was like, oh, I see you. I see you, Manny. At this time, I want to take a, a moment uh, to actually acknowledge and honor that small group of folks who worked really, really hard behind the scenes and took a considerable amount of time uh, and effort. What you don't see with our declaimers is just how much work goes into getting ready to, to declaim and be on that stage. What a vulnerable and exposed moment that is of 10 of our students standing up in front of their entire school community working uh, so hard to be ready for that moment and to deliver what I thought were 10 truly remarkable uh, declamation speeches. So um, thank you to our declaimers, all of you. You did a wonderful job. What a ripple. It's my honor to be able to acknowledge and present a series of declamation prizes uh, to a handful of folks who, who placed um, get out my list here. What I will say is it's really fascinating, and, and I know you don't want to hear this when I'm making the, the call of the judges on Thursday night at the dance, but to listen to the judges, there were four this time, all professional um, uh, performers or, or educator, performance educators, all getting together to talk about uh, each of the performances, and they labored over all of your speeches and or all of your de uh, declamation speeches at great length, um, which is what takes so long. Uh, really remarked about how wonderful each of you were, and I hope that you recognize that even though these prizes go to a select few of uh, the team, third, second, and first place uh, finishers, uh, all of you should be profoundly proud of, of your performance. And so I'm going to go through and I'm going to announce these prizes, and I would ask that uh, at least for the team when you hold your applause, and when you do uh, have a chance to come up and to receive uh, a, a note and um, your prize, which is in, in this envelope here. So the John Kay and Mary Jane Berger Prize, Berger Prize, which is awarded to the winning declamation team, goes to the five Marshall declaimers. I'm going to read the three others, and then you can all come up and grab your prizes. 
In third place for the Dorothy Baker Prize, which is awarded to the third place speaker, the John S. Durr Prize awarded to the top three speakers, and again, the Carrie, John K. and Mary Jane Berger Prize awarded to the winning declamation team to Mel Carroll Rose Court. In second place, uh, recipient of the J. Harry Wood Prize, which is awarded to the second place speaker, Again, the John S. Durr Prize awarded the top three speakers and the John K. and Mary Jane Berger Prize awarded to the winning declamation team, Ryan Casey. <laughs> the first place prizes, the John K. Berger Prize awarded to the best speaker, the John S. Durr Prize awarded to the top three speakers, and the Scoblianco Declamation Cup, which I should have brought with me and I didn't, uh, but sits in my office at all times. Uh, which was given by David Scoblianco's class of 66 and Eric Scoblianco class of 72 is awarded to the first place speaker. The bowl again lives in Trailer Hall and your name, uh, Tierra Rufiner, is engraved on it. So come on up. Come on up, y'all. So once again, good morning. Let there be no light. <laughs> Welcome back to campus. It's always a better place when you all are here. I do not plan to take long this morning. Instead of a term talk, perhaps you can consider this as simply a term message, something to think about as we enter this final stretch. Otherwise, I hope you will use your remaining time wisely. With that in mind, and it may sound cliche, but it is hard to believe that we are already in the final term of our academic year. For our seniors, it is bittersweet reality that only 10 weeks stands between you and your graduation. I imagine you're feeling a mix of emotions at this time, and many of you believe you are ready to set off for your next adventure. And I can assure you that the days will go quickly, but I also encourage you not to let them go quietly. As someone that has wit witnessed my share of spring terms, I encourage you to squeeze all you can out of your final days at Mercersburg. Of course, we will always be here, and this will always be your home, but change is inevitable, and lots will change once you leave our little nest here in south-central Pennsylvania. For all of us, the world can feel like a rush, especially at your age and in a community like ours. Our schedules are full, and we are constantly planning for the future. Assignments, meetings, activities, colleges, and countless other opportunities and obligations demand our time and our attention. We often talk about the sequence of life and how we must do this in order to do that, in order to be this, or in order to be that. To some degree, this is the reality of life and a rather impossible one to avoid. We are designed to think ahead and to constantly consider ways to secure our future, all of which takes a lot of planning and a lot of time. But be mindful of the inevitable cost of, of worrying too much about what comes next. It can be a vicious cycle that steals the very thing you are working so hard to enjoy, which should always be today. I will not belabor the point this morning or keep you in this beautiful chapel for too long listening to me drone about seizing the moment or being grateful for every day. Those are lessons that are largely learned over a lifetime and after bouts of nostalgia remind us of what has come, what has gone, what was missed, or what was never had. And it happens to all of us. I remember the spring of both of my senior years, first in Washington, then as a PG at Holderness, 
I felt like they went by quickly then, and now they are both whittled down to but a series of short stories and just a handful of snapshots. When I look back, I wish I would have slowed down, spent more time with more people, given less energy to worrying about college acceptances and summer jobs, and dedicated more time to what mattered most, which was the world around me. Many people fail to realize this great life lesson until they are late in life, once there is nothing they can do about it. But you do not have to wait that long. I suppose my greater appreciation for time hit me the hardest the night that Lauren and I got married. We had a very small wedding with just our families on a little beach on the Long Island Sound. And that evening, I saw my now father-in-law, who was a mechanic for 38 years, put his arm around Lauren, and with his eyes filled with tears, he told her that he was sorry. And she was quick to say, Dad, what do you mean? And he looked at her, and in so many words, he said, I'm sorry for all the nights that I would get home from the shop feeling exhausted and rush you to bed so I could take my shower, have a beer, and just sit down to watch the Flyers or the Phillies. What I wouldn't give to have just one of those nights with you back. Unbeknownst to my father-in-law, that single moment has shaped my entire approach to my time as a father. It is a story that I've told any new dad that will listen, and it is one that I think about nearly every day. It is that story about the incredible power of embracing the most routine or ordinary moments in life that has helped me never rush to put my kids to bed. Not just for them, but for me. The time has still passed, and they have still gotten older, and I will still someday wish I could have just one of those nights back, but I will not someday feel the need to apologize to them, or more importantly to myself, for not being exactly where I wished I was. So how lucky am I to have a father-in-law willing to say what he said, to give me the chance to see what I could miss long before I even had the chance to miss it. Will you be as fortunate as I was to learn the value of time while you still have plenty of it to enjoy? That is entirely up to you. You cannot do it all, and you cannot be everywhere. You will still have plenty of planning and worrying about your future to consume your mind and your days. But I am urging you, I am pleading with you, to see all that today already holds before you start searching for what tomorrow might bring. Whether you are a senior, counting down the days, or you're a ninth grader, wrapping up your first year, there's no better place to be than right here, right now. I will leave you with a poem titled Leisure, written by the British poet W.H. Davies that speaks to this idea. What is this life if, full of care, we have no time to stand and stare? No time to stand beneath the boughs and stare as long as sheep and cows. No time to see when woods we pass where squirrels hide their nuts and grass. No time to see in broad daylight streams full of stars like skies at night. No time to turn at beauty's glance and watch her feet and how they dance. No time to wait till her mouth can enrich that smile her eyes began. A poor life this is full of care we have no time to stand and stare. Let's make the most of our spring term, starting with today, and never be in a rush to put your babies to bed. Thank you.